This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back, Geek Gab, for Monday, September 25th, 2023. Um, and before we get rolling with the show, we have a little bit of business to to attend to. I really wanted to get in and do a show today because this is going to be the last show we're going to be able to do until all the way into November. So I don't know, Warpig, that's a lot of weeks to take a break, but it must be done. Um yeah. I just don't see way we're going to get out of it before then. I mean, there's wedding prep and there's wedding and then there's honeymoon and that's that's it that's all of october's shot yep october's shot absolutely uh, if we can if we can squeak one in next week we'll let you know but uh yeah don't count on it uh, i'm really excited by the way i'm the one who's getting married in case you're wondering for anybody who uh, has been listening yeah we're sorry you've been missing the last few weeks we you had technical difficulties that, that went on for a while so you know this is it this is the one night we could <laughs> we could get a show in after all of the times missing the last like i think we missed three weeks now or two weeks at least i think we missed two weeks yeah uh, so after all the time missing those weeks and uh, all the time missing weeks coming up, this is it, folks. We decided to come in and say, you know, hey. Um, but just in case you were wondering, when Daddy Warpig says we will be back, he means it. Yes, we will be back. Um, of course, some are going to miss some of November and December for holidays and stuff. But, yeah, we'll deal with that when that comes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I had, a. I was excited too, cause I was thinking about stuff like last week or the week before that, there was like this RPG topic I really wanted to talk about that I thought was great and interesting. And I'm sitting here tonight as we're getting ready for the show and I can't remember any of it. Like I absolutely cannot remember, um, what I was going to talk about um, or what I wanted to talk about. And I am utterly certain it had something to do with something that happened in Trilopolis. I'm not complaining about it, just like role-playing game theory and stuff, or maybe it was one of the ongoing flame discussions online around the Bro SR. Um, that. let's see was it zero prep no it was before that mm. and and that one didn't really i have a very complicated relationship to zero prep anyway so uh you know i don't think people would understand my approach to zero prep um well you've got a whole show all the soapbox you could ever want. Whenever you, whenever you want to talk about it, we're listening. Uh, what was the last session I played in? 
Oh, the last session you played in, I'm glad you asked. Let me go to my blog. I think it was I think it was uh with Chris. Was it with so, Chris? Yeah. Oh. Um, well, well that's that's less uh that's less exciting because I I wanted to remind everyone that if you want to catch up with Trilopulous, you go to dornal.blogspot.com and uh I've got a link to Chris's uh, also known as Macho Mandalf. Um, in Machador at castleport.blogspot.com. Now, you didn't play this one. Me and Brian and uh, John Rock stayed up after the uh, after the game session, after everybody else left, because there were some things that uh, that John wanted to talk about. Hey, and... real quick. Thank, thanks, Brad. I appreciate it. So, so you you were staying up with uh, John Rock and uh, Brian Renninger. Brian Renninger, and we were talking about some stuff, and the stuff we were talking about was like so interesting that I wanted to talk about it on the show, and now I can't remember. Uh, in my defense, I have been really beaten up in the last couple of weeks, so. My normally razor sharp mind has taken a beating and my memory is not as sharp as it used to be. And all I can say is it is fortunate I am such a uh, excellent example of intellectual prowess that I can still function in states that would cripple the vast majority of human beings. Uh, <laughs> that is uh, absolutely the truth. Um, Sounds like kayfabe to me. Yeah, you'd think so. But, uh, you know, I'm basically an intellectual Superman. I'm not saying I'm Einstein. I'm saying that uh, I have functioned at the outer limits of human uh, impediments for so long that I can put together superbly crafted statements and amazing language and pithy comments and humorous jokes while I'm in a, a state of health and mental distress that would leave most people just begging on the floor. Uh, and He's an Iron Man, no joke. I am. That's just the truth. So, yeah, I am high functioning for being someone who is going through the the stuff uh, that I've been going through. Um, uh, but I can't remember the RPG topic, and I'm and I'm I'm sad because I had so many ideas about it. It was a game design topic too. We very rarely get those. We've got a lot of positive feedback when we do get those. What happened in the, the last Chris run module? Uh, we, uh, we were investigating the mountains and we came across Ringo Starr, the leader of a right, right. Bunch of we, we came across cavemen exiles. Valley. 
in Hidden Valley. Uh, we fought a Tyrannosaurus Rex, which nearly killed our uh, uh, ranger. And uh, we also found... Uh, we, we encountered an army of fire newts who uh, who were in the mountains raiding uh, some human settlements, and we encountered the uh, robo-cleric pictured here at the uh, at the top, another patron player. Um, That's what happened in that session. No, that doesn't help at all. That's just too darn bad. It's sad too, because I, I've been thinking a lot about game mechanics. And I've been doing some <laughs> No Brad, we're not uh, we're not talking about rifts. Rifts is pretty far off the beaten path. I've been doing some deep thinking about how mechanics should function in a game. And it's not yet time to talk about it fully. Um but I do recall that uh, John Rock talked about it the next day or the next week. And he says, man, I regret I was up to like three in the morning talking to Warpig and Brian about D&D. And you kept that poor man up. Hey, that wasn't me. I was just listening most of the time. Hmm. Um. I really think that most people who write role-playing games don't understand the purpose of game mechanics. Um, I think they just have taken game mechanics as a given and have endlessly elaborated on them in really neat and clever ways but they've never really looked deep into the function of game mechanics as a phenomenon. Not, okay, this game mechanic is a combat mechanic and it, it represents to hit and damage and morale and whatever, and you have a list of these game mechanics. I, mean, I don't think they've sat back and said, here's what the role-playing game hobby is. Here's what tabletop hobby is. Now, what function do game mechanics have in the tabletop role-playing hobby? Uh, or again, to switch into a diff slightly different language for the purposes of the discussion, tabletop role-gaming hobby, because half of it is playing the role and half of it is gaming. Um, and I truly don't think any of them have kind of peeled back that mystery enough to have fully defined what role-playing games are, what you do in a role-playing game, and therefore what the point of game mechanics are. And uh, I remember it now. I remember what I was going to talk about. Um, 
And so they've kind of been cargo cultish about it. They've kind of been, well, these are role-playing games. This is how we've done role-playing games. So we're going to do the same thing. Or worse yet, they say, okay, well, this is a cinematic game. So we want it to be a cinematic game. So we're going to borrow things from movies and try to make it like a movie script where you use mechanics that are based on the mechanics of movie scripts or like comics. We're going to make this like, this is a comic role-playing game. We want to make this so you're playing comic books. And so we're going to have mechanics based on panels, on comic panels, because comics have panels. Therefore, we're going to make this role-playing game based on panels and the mechanics are going to work within these. Um, and, and that'll make it a good comic role-playing game. And they put a lot of creativity into these ideas, but they're all wrong and they're all bad. Um, because they start off from a, a wrongly predicated approach. They, they start off from a fundamental misunderstanding of what a role-playing game is. And what I actually wanted to talk about um, and I want to do this kind of carefully. One of the big disconnects between the BROSR and the OSR. So this is a related but different subject. I'm, I'm changing the subject because everything I've just been talking about is things I've been thinking about and doing, but I'm not ready to really go forward with yet. It's not mature enough yet. So... I've remembered what it is that I talked about with John and Brian that I wanted to talk about on the show. So finally, it is dredged up from the depths of my memory. The problem that the BROSR has when confronting the OSR is this. The BROSR, without realizing, has come out and said, we did what you claimed to have been doing for the last 12 years and you didn't succeed at all. Everything you claim to have done in the last 12 years, OSR people, you failed at. You did not do it. And we did. Now, that wasn't their intent. I don't even think they're aware on either side. I haven't seen either side really wake up and realize that that's the real rhetorical ground that they're fighting over. I've seen evidence of that, but I don't think that's your main, that's, I don't think that's your main point. The real rhetorical ground that they're fighting over was this. D&D third edition came out and people who played second edition or some earlier editions were kind of aggravated by it, but they didn't really do anything about it. Then fourth edition came out and people were like, you know, screw this, I'm out. This is not D&D. This has nothing to do with D&D. And even all of the people who were just sitting off to the side, kind of doing their own thing, hated it so much, they started 
and then this OSR thing. Now, OSRIC, OSRIC, the old school role playing and index compendium, is not properly an OSR product because it came out in like 2003. It didn't come out in 2011. It predates the OSR by eight years. And it's a retro clone of AD&D. I know a lot of OSR people are going to get upset at what I'm saying, but the fact is it did not come out with the spate of OSR books. And as far as I know, for the most part, Osric is the only OSR game that even tried to do something with AD&D, first edition. Most of your other stuff, that is OSR, is going back to Holmes, to Moldvay, to the Rules Cyclopedia, to OD&D, you know, the little white box, uh, or the three booklets. So they have, for the vast majority of it, avoided AD&D like the plague. I'm not saying there are no exceptions to that. I'm just saying that when you look at OSR and OSR products, OSR games, they have avoided AD&D. What the OSR was founded to do was to restore old school play styles, to return the hobby to what it was before fourth edition D&D, to reject fourth edition D&D, and even to a large extent 3.5 and the culture that had gotten really big around 3.5. So that's when the, you know, kind of the min-maxi bill planning thing went metastatic. Yeah, was and, in the 3.5 that... era. And remember, that was deliberate because 3.5 was a reaction to Diablo. Um, 3.0 had game elements that could be abused like that, but that hadn't been the culture yet. And I've heard people argue, well, yeah, but that, they laid the ground. That's fine. I'm not talking about that. I'm not trying to argue that or litigate that. I'm just you know, laying out the history here. 3.0 didn't have that toxic culture yet. Um, you could see it coming. You know, when you look back, you can see people picking different things and picking classes to do this level and picking classes to that level. And even designers were catering to those sorts of impulses. But 3.5 was the full on build. Go into this class, take this level because... You know, you'll get this feat and this feat will enable you to do that, so on and so forth. Um, and then 4.0 threw out all those mechanics because people said they hated that, but did it by making something that was entirely alien and created another completely different alien play style and culture. I'm not saying 4.0 is a bad game or was badly designed, but it was a bad D&D game. It was not D&D. Now, here's where it's going to sound like I'm sliding down the OSR. 
the OSR wanted to bring the culture prior to 3.0 back. But here's the thing. All they had to base it on were this the rules that they were retro cloning that is they took the rules of you know the three booklets little white box moldvay menser um you know holmes uh the rule cyclopedia copy those rules with some of their house rules and made new D&D fantasy games for it, and then went on to make science fiction games, and then went on to make, you know, kind of these gonzo pseudo-horror games. And I'm again, I'm not saying these are badly designed games. I'm not saying they're not fun. I'm not saying they're wrongly thought of. My point is, in order to restore the culture, all they had were copying the rules of these games, and they copied them again and again and again. And I'm going to skip over this point for now. I'm just going to say it and lay the groundwork for future discussions. These were all rule sets that did not contain the rules that would allow you to restore the old culture. Because the rules that would allow you to restore the old culture were not present in second edition AD&D. They were not present in Holmes or Moldvay. They were not present in the five colored box sets, uh, sets. They were not present in Rule Cyclopedia. They were not present in the three booklets or the white box. You could not restore the old culture because the rules that would allow you to do that were not present in their rule set. So in addition to, see the problem, in addition to copying these rules, they also had the OSR manifesto, which if I had remembered what I was doing before the show, I might pull it up. But it's like this four-point recapitulation of what they saw old-school gaming culture as being. And they are things like rulings, not rules. So you don't have a ton of rules. What you have are individual rulings in the moment, and so on and so forth. And they've elaborated on these and talked about them and, and so on. And this was to them, up until 2022 or so, so for 11 years, they believed that they had sufficiently restored old school role play. That with these rule sets, and these, the old school manifesto and variations on the same, that they had succeeded in restoring the culture of old school play. 
And then the Broessar comes along and says, no, all of you are wrong. Everything you tried to do to restore old school play has failed. The whole endeavor from the beginning of it is a failure. Because old school play requires one-to-one -one time during downtime, which requires multiple PCs per player, which requires or leads to multiple GMs, which requires all of the other tenets that came out of the BroSR which really have restored the play style of 1970s gaming. Strict time records. All of these things were an assumed part of the culture of 1970s gaming. The Broessar rediscovered in AD&D. And so they are literally telling everyone in the OSR this entire endeavor you've given your lives to for 11 years, all of these games you've made and played and everything, it's not just that you've been doing AD&D wrong. It's, just, it's this entire movement you've been a part of is wrong. It, it's been a failure from the start. Which is to say not, not, not wrong, but that they failed to achieve the goals that they supposedly set at for themselves. Yeah. The one thing they set out to do, they failed at. And, and their OSR manifesto didn't do it. Right? It, that's right. That's right. Uh, the OSR manifesto talking about things like rulings over rules, and, and I didn't find it. I, I didn't bring it up, but I mean, the all you need to do is, uh, you know, we discovered that. I think it was Secrets of Blackmore that uncovered more of that history that made yeah. people sit up and realize, oh, wait, yeah, we've, we've rediscovered a lot of these great old rule systems, and these are fun games to play. But look, that's, that's not exactly what they were playing back then. And then you talk to the old grognards like, Rick Stump, who've been doing this for 40 years and, and, you know, initially bewildered, like, what do you mean? Doesn't everybody play this way? No, no, not everybody plays this way. Everybody plays completely different because all that nobody knowledge was lost. Way. Nobody plays this way, right? Nobody, literally nobody, except for the tiny, tiny few who still played that way, but who were for the most part cloistered off and didn't have a large effect on the outside gaming culture. Yep. Uh, and and it's it's just those things where, yeah, and, and just to reinforce that, like we're not talking about the OSR as a bunch of screw ups, no. But but they've been they've been faced now, like we more information has come to light, and being faced with the fact that oh, there's more to it, like there's lots of stuff that we had missed, and I and I, I think their reaction to it has been pretty poor. I don't think the Broessar realized how thoroughly they had 
Um, the word negated is not what I'm really looking for, but I can't remember the word I'm looking for. Uh, how thoroughly they had um, negated the entire reason for the, the OSR premise. to exist. Yeah, the, the premise. and, and the, the premise of the OSR is completely invalid. Uh, that's, and I'm not saying that's what the Broessar set out to do. I'm saying that when the Broessar launched its kayfabe and launched its argumentation and launched its, you know, kind of announcements of cool things, they did not realize how thoroughly they were undermining the very premise and the very existence of the OSR. They basically said to every game designer and every player of the OSR, you have been failing for 12 years at this thing you have been fighting to do. And that That's sounds hard. harsh, but I'm not the one who said that. I'm just pointing out that the reason why so many OSR people are reacting so vehemently or so vitriolically is on a level that they aren't really recognizing and then on a level that the Broessar wasn't recognizing, there is a more fundamental conflict here than anybody realized. The Broessar said, we did what the OSR set out to do because the OSR failed. Good point. Um, now, that could have been said a lot nicer. And there would have been a, a I'm not saying, you know, all the kayfabe and stuff was wrong. But uh, it's like if you get in a discussion with someone about what you think is a, you know, kind of a funny point about, um, uh, about how you think that certain movies are dumb, you know. Let's say you think that the old Spider-Man TV series from the 80s, Spider-Man and his friends with Firestar and Iceman, you think that's dumb and you kind of make fun with fun of it. Meanwhile, the person you're talking to starts defending the show and saying the show isn't dumb. And you just keep on pointing out what you see as flaws in it. And what you don't realize is that this person who you're talking to and making fun of, uh, making fun of the TV show, used to watch that show with their dad as he was sick and dying. And to them, and they don't even necessarily realize this too, they really glommed onto that as one of their memories, one of their last memories of their father. So by saying this is a stupid show, it kind of throws them into, you know, a it's very, emotional. It's emotional. It throws them into a very angry, very emotional state that has nothing to do with the exact technical merits of the show. 
whether you're right or wrong, the seriousness of the argument isn't what you think that it's going through. And they're reacting far more angrily than you think they should because they're having uh, one of their core tenets, one of their core beliefs challenged. Um, one of the core experiences or values challenge. Um, you're basically invalidating their relationship with their father by saying this is a dumb TV show. And that's, that's what the uh, Broessar did. They completely invalidated the core of the OSR. So the challenge of the OSR, of anyone in the OSR, is to say, hey, these things are great. Yeah, they do work really, really well. And they are part of classical, you know, gaming culture. And that that's great. I'm going to use them and go on. I mean, either you can be bigger than the argument and put that beside you and go on, or you can be threatened by, you know, having your movement invalidated by being pointed out, yes, you tried really hard, but you did not succeed at what you were trying to do. You didn't restore old gaming culture because you didn't have, you know, you didn't start with the right rule set for one. And that that's was a tough fatal, lesson to learn. Yeah, that's the fatal flaw is you didn't start with the right rule set. And then you had to actually look at the text of the rule set, not the house rules that people had ladled on top of it or the assumptions they had ladled on top of it. Um, and you had to have a kind of grim determination to continue playing it by the rules. Uh, even when that was required wading through some really poorly explained rules. So yeah, that's why these discussions have been a lot more serious. Um, yeah, and part of it is, you know, people getting butt hurt who because they their feelings got hurt and people uh, you know being offended that they're told they're doing D D wrong and and when people get offended they can't listen to logic. They literally can't listen to logic until they stop being offended. Um, it, it's mm -hmm. physical. It's physically a part of how your brain works. When you're offended, you can't process reason and logic. You have to get out of that mental state before you can listen to other people. Um, which is why fanatics uh, tell people that they should be easily offended and that you should be offended all the time. They try to spread being offended as a, um, as a constant state because then... Nobody listens to evidence or reason. They're just offended all the time. And uh, a lot of the arguers against the Broessar have leaned heavily on being offended. Yeah, it's uh, a very emotional response for the very good reasons you pointed out. So, yeah. Um, 
good or bad, it was a, a completely different discussion than the Broessar thought they were having. Broessar thought that they were having fun. They, they were making fun of things and, and doing some kayfabe and, you know, some loud stuff. And they didn't realize, and the people they were talking with didn't realize exactly how thoroughly invalidating their position was. That doesn't mean they shouldn't take the position. Because facts are facts. You know, one one time during downtime, strict timekeeping records, um, so on and so forth, domain play for name level characters, whatever. Those were all integral parts of AD&D, and they were integral parts of the assumed culture of D&D. And the extent to which those have been removed um, or fallen by the wayside role-playing games have become measurably worse. Without those elements, role-playing games have become worse. And there are a lot of good and fun role-playing games out there, a lot of good and fun role-playing games with great settings, uh, and maybe even, you know, clever and interesting game mechanics. But those core principles don't require uh, initiative by side. That's another one. And I would toss in morale checks. Um, if you don't have reaction roles and morale checks, then you're not really going to have a quality role-playing game experience. Game masters who aren't using reaction roles and morale checks when they're running AD&D are not doing the game right, and you're providing a an inferior AD&D experience. Um, I mean, I had friends who played second edition, and they would always complain, oh, it's time for combat, and we just stand in a row and raise and lift our swords until we're done killing each other. It's like, that's what morale checks are for. That's what reaction rules are for. So you can think in a different path other than just getting into combat mm -hmm. game masters who don't let players do that who don't you know allow for that are not providing their uh players with the real role-playing experience those are fundamental to all role-playing games they should be a part of all role-playing games initiative by side should be a part of all role-playing games Rea uh, reaction roles morale checks one-to-one -one time during downtime um you know leadership in uh groups eventually as your characters grow up um those should be aspects of all role-playing games and so many of the problems that have come up around role-playing games that are attempted to be solved in various different ways just go away. They just become moot once you're playing with those things as, as their basis. And I'm sure people in the chat or, or you can can remind me of, of some of the BroSR principles that I may have forgotten. But these are rules in AD&D. These are rules that have to be there. And these are rules that should never have fallen out of the hobby. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, uh, it's fascinating. 
And and as Brad says in the chat, right, it's a proof of concept provided as evidence. And and no matter how many session reports you write, no matter how many times you show, and it's amazing because a lot of people have joined up. Um, we talked about John Rock earlier. He's one of the, he's been with us for a few months now, but like he was one of the guys that sort of jumped in later. And all you had to do was try it. You just try it. And, and the game is so much better than you ever thought it could be because of those things, because of those rules that, you know, only a small handful of people were still playing with. Um, I did want to move on uh, while we're talking about D&D, &D, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. I totally have to plug. Uh, this is Dunder Moose. Have you heard the speaking of Broasar? Have you heard the Broasar? Uh, rap it's man it feels good to be a bro yeah i added my own uh my own verse on twitter oh fantastic fantastic i'm gonna share i'm gonna share this youtube link i'm not gonna play it for you guys just head over there and listen to it um the uh, channel is uh dunder moose d-u-n-d-e-r moose uh and i'll also link his um i'll link his streams uh, he's been doing interviews, uh, sort of like uh, sort of like we do on occasion when we have guests on. Um, he's talked to Rick Stump. He's talked to uh, Vomitron, uh, one of the um, other you know Broasar or OSR Jason guys. Um, a few months ago, we talked about the curator, uh, this kid who came in and decided he was gonna just do a patron game and ended up with fifty people or something like that. Um, we never followed up on that. That guy burned out within a month. Uh, but uh, after after cooling down, uh, uh, he came on and talked to Dunder Moose, and they had a great interview on like what he learned, is uh, uh, what went wrong, what didn't go wrong, that sort of thing. Really interesting stuff. I totally got to plug Dunder Moose's channel. Um, you know, he, I hope, hope he keeps doing these interviews uh, because uh, he's he's got a lot of great questions, uh, and I really enjoyed. Whatever it's so far. I, and you can't go wrong starting off with Rick Stump. I mean, if, if I had to pick one person to, you know, ask, you know, interview about D&D, &D, it's the guy who's got a 44-year-old campaign world. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, let me, for those of you hanging out on YouTube, for those of you watching, I will also put up his page real quick. There you go. You can see it. He's only he's got a few interviews right now, and under the videos tab, you can check out that uh, song he made. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, other news before we get to the main topic, which is that we're we're more than halfway through the show. Man, something just gets going when we talk about gaming. Warpig, what do you say? Just. Loves taking up all that time, and you know what? I don't mind, because that's my favorite thing to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about um, Neo Patronage. Our uh, good friend and former co-host Brian Niemeyer is on Patreon now. All the stuff that he was doing in his Indiegogo campaigns, like, hey, come give feedback on on my project, you know, have a discussion with me, set up a Discord. He's finally up on Patreon. He's had a great start. I think he just lost it, launched it this month, at the beginning of the month. Um, 
if you like his books and, and everything, uh, I was just uh, I was just talking to him a day about it, about his projects. Uh, he wrapped up his, you know, he wrapped up his Combat Frame XC series this year, uh, and he's going back to working on the Soul Cycle, which is his sort of dark science fiction uh, setting, you know, sp- spacefaring society similar to Dune. Only they physically fly into hell and all sorts of other good stuff. Now, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it, um, but I hope that you check that out. I just wanted to give you guys an update in case anybody knows what Brian's been up to. Um, highly recommend it. And Bradford Walker in the chat. I got to plug his blog. Uh, he's nonstop going uh, uh, every week about RPGs, gaming. Um, he's uh, evaluating some other systems like Rifts, which is sort of mirroring some of the discussion on Twitter. Um, some people are getting excited about Rifts. Bradford's a little less excited. Uh, if you want to know more, bradfordcwalker.blogspot.com. I didn't plan on doing a bunch of plugs here. It's just kind of a rundown. Like, what what kind of stuff am I looking at when I sort of need my gaming fix without actually playing a game? Uh, so I hope you guys check those things out. Um, and and that's pretty much all I've got on my mind uh, for this week, Daddy Warpig. How about you? How was how was your week? Um, well, I went to Fanex. Um, and Fanex that that was Salt Lake Com- Comic Con, right? Yeah. Interesting story with that, but not one I really care about telling. Um. Used to be Salt Lake Comic Con, and now it's called uh, now it's called Fanex. Wow, that really didn't do what I wanted it to do. I wanted to drink water, not suck down air. My apologies to the audience listening. We could synchronize. Sorry, I had to take a sip, and we could synchronize sips so that the audience can hear us. Ready? <laughs> so, I. Uh, this year at Fanex, um, they completely replaced the entire con committee. And the guy on the con committee who used to be really good about reaching out to authors is no longer on the con committee. So basically, nearly every local author who's been there for the past, past several, several years just skipped it. There was no band booth this year. None of the... None of the... Uh, indie uh, authors I know were there. Um, so none of the people I hope I was hoping to say hi to, uh, as far as people I know, really were even there at all. So it was a complete bust on that front. Um, and I hope they get their act together for next year. Um, I don't know that they will, but I really hope they do. It's... it's uh, really obnoxious to have a convention that's been really good about reaching out to indie authors and getting them booths and things like that for them to uh, get set up to have them completely drop the ball Um, which meant that most of my time this year was taken up in photo opportunities (laughs) 
once again, the Jones sisters, uh, by the way, my sister who does the fabulous Halloween decorations every year is, uh, currently getting set up for her Halloween decoration. I don't know what she's doing. Um, I just noticed, I, I just know that the morning of Fanex, they took me to the house before we drove down and I was looking at this house that I have lived in on and off for, you know, 48 years. Um, and there were three tombstones in front of it. And I just cocked my head and I thought, that's really weird for my aunt to do. Why the hell would she put tombstones? And then I realized, oh, Halloween. Okay. That's my sister. She's getting ready for whatever it is she's doing this year. So there are now tombstones on the front uh, lawn. And I'm going to see what else goes on. And uh, we'll talk about that because my sister always does the most awesome, uh, the most awesome Halloween decorations. So I got a selfie with dmc of run dmc fame nice um i got a picture taken with charlie cox and uh kristen ritter charlie cox being daredevil and kristen ritter being gene on breaking bad but also jessica jones um and they were both just the nicest people uh i mean we were there for just a very short period of time they were both just super friendly and really really nice people and i have never thought that chris and ritter was really that attractive i always wondered what people saw in her and then when you see her in person it's like oh she's really pretty <laughs> Um, so yeah, she stood right next to me, put her, uh, uh, hand on my shoulder and leaned up against me. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> Let's take a picture. Oh, that's great. That's great. And you shared that picture on Twitter too. I did. Uh, there are a bunch of other pictures I didn't share. Uh, I got a picture with Joel McHale of community fame. Mm -hmm. um and he wasn't just nice he was really high energy um also helped that i guess we were the number one in line but we got in line and he uh welcomed us inside and he said so i'm kind of confused who are you there are four of us and i said oh brother sister sister brother-in-law and he's like okay so you two are married and then you're a sister and brother and we're like yes and he's like you mormons sure are hard to keep track of <laughs> So uh, I told him I, was, I loved Community. I was looking forward to the movie. He looked really surprised and said, well, it's coming. Uh, we're, we're on a strike right now, but it's coming. And I'm like, great. And then I walked right out. She got to get, get, get in and get out. But I said what I wanted to, which was I told him I loved uh, Community. Uh, I told Charlie Cox I loved him as Daredevil. I told Kristen Ritter she was awesome in Breaking Bad. Um. I didn't get to do that the rest of the day, but at least I got in there. Um, I got a picture with the cast of Back to the Future. 
um, Christopher Lloyd, Michael J. Fox, um, Biff Tannen, whose real name I can't remember, I'm so sorry, and the principal. Um, the mom was supposed to be there, but she had to drop out for one reason or another. But Christopher Lloyd has been one of my, uh, uh, I don't know, the idol is the right word. I've loved Christopher Lloyd for my entire life. He's been in so many of my favorite movies, you know, Back to the Future, Saving Robert, uh, Roger Rabbit, um, who, you know what I'm saying. That that was a great that was a great one. Simon's got your back. Tom Wilson and James Tolkien. There we also go on the cast. Um, uh, Saving Roger Rabbit. That is my new no, favorite. Who framed uh... Roger Rabbit? <laughs> the funny thing is, my Halloween sister, who always goes in cosplay every year, she was dressed up as Jessica Rabbit. Oh wow! So she got to be in that picture uh, as Jessica Rabbit. So that was hilarious. Um, so yeah, got a picture with Christopher Lloyd, and I hate to say it like this because it's going to sound grim, but Christopher Lloyd is getting up there in years, and so that was the only reason I went, because that was the only picture I thought I was going to be in. I didn't know I was going to be in anything else. Sure. Um, but, you know, I, I would have regretted it my entire life not having an opportunity to get a picture taken with Christopher Lloyd, because Absolutely. this is absolutely only going to be my only chance got a picture taken with the smallville cast um and Kristen they let Kroik zoe out of is, prison uh kristen croik is just as gorgeous in person as you'd think she is <laughs> it never ever mystified me why people thought she was attractive she was astonishingly gorgeous right um and again lex luther uh, was so friendly. Uh, you know, we were trying to get in to arrange the four of us in between the four of them. And he's like, Hey, come on in, come on over here. And he, you know, put his arm on my shoulder and help me step in. And he just was the friendliest guy ever. So I love it. Um, um, I got a picture with Polly Shore. He didn't say anything. <laughs> I don't know Holy if he was hungover sure. or drunk. He was wearing big, thick, dark glasses. He may have been hungover. Yep. Um, and I'm pretty sure there may be another one I'm, I, I'm not remembering, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, but it was a great opportunity to do that. And those photo opportunities cost a lot of money. And my sisters are the ones who paid for them. And they just invited me to come in with them. And I'm like, okay. That's great. Um, also, I took a wrong turn at some point and I ended up in artists or uh, in Celebrity Row, which is where all the celebrities have their booths to do autograph signings and selfies and stuff. Apart from the big, uh, apart from the big, you know, photo opportunities. And I was looking around and it looked like all the people were missing. And then I looked up. So you have to look up at the uh, backdrops. They have these huge backdrops with pictures of the particular celebrity on them. So you'll know whose booth that is. And one of them was Stacy Dashes. Do you know who Stacy Dash is? Oh, I, I'm sorry. I've heard that name, but I'm drawing a blank. She was in uh, Clueless. 
She was uh Okay, yeah, Stacy Dash from Clueless. Yep, I know who that is. Okay. Absolutely uh astonishingly gorgeous. And I'm I'm moving from one part to another because I am almost late for uh for the back to the future photograph photography um uh opportunity. So the only reason I'm there, I literally I'm completely exhausted. I'm wiped out. I haven't had any sleep for, it, it might've been 24 hours at that point. My body is screaming. I'm collapsing. And I look up and I see Stacy Dash's picture and I look down and there she is just sitting there. And so I can't stop and do anything. I can't stop and say hi. So I see the only thing I can think of, uh, and I tell her, I love you so much. And then I have to keep going. <laughs> but here's the funny thing about it. She smiles and get this big, broad smile on her face like she's genuinely delighted. And the two ladies sitting next to her, probably her agent and whatever, uh, both laugh, but like not in a mean way. And I'm out of there. I have to say the reason why uh, I love Stacy Dash is because she is fearless and she has taken a lot of positions that would get her in trouble in Hollywood recently. Um, and by recently, I mean the last like five, six years. And I just love that she's fearless and I just love that she has the courage to speak out on things. Um, and so, you know, I didn't have time to explain all that, but I just wanted to let her know, you know. Uh, I really did admire her. And you made her day. And I'm, apparently it did not make her feel bad or creeped out. So, hey, I made her day. Um, but yeah. Oh, Carrie Ann Moss. That's the one I forgot. Also got a picture with Carrie Ann Moss. Cool. So, that was cool too. Um. But yeah, uh, uh, there has been, I found a new set of dice that I had to purchase. And you will remember this. When we have talked about the dice I want to design and have them make, how there is a very specific color of dice, kind of that shimmering opalescent color mm -hmm. so i found a set of dice of exactly that color maybe a little bit more occluded mine should be a little bit more transparent but um it literally took me 20 minutes to talk myself into buying it because it was a 40 dollars set of dice that's a lot it is it's uv reactive like if you take it out in the sun it changes color and i asked them if they had a set of dice the same color that wasn't uv reactive because i was hoping they'd say yes and i could buy it and it'd be a lot cheaper um but they're all sharp edged they're all game science sharp edge they're not the rounded edge dice so yeah, but they are exactly the color I've been looking for. 
um, for my own dice. Uh, and so it's just nice to have that here as kind of a reference um, to, to look at and to see what it is I'm actually seeing, to have a physical, you know, a physical prop representation of it. It's really, it's really great. So, yeah, uh, the pie pizzeria was there. For those of you who've been to Salt Lake, the pie is kind of this local pizza place. Uh, and they were churning out tons and tons of pizza, and it was really good. Oh, yeah, I remember that. So even their, you know, not handmade to order at the restaurant pizza is apparently really good. So uh, if you go to uh, Salt Lake City and you have a chance, check out the pie. Um, they make really good pizza. Um, I had a chance to get my picture taken with Jim Starling and get something autographed, but he was at a panel when I passed by his booth. I didn't have any time to get back to his booth. So that was heartbreaking, but, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. Also, Alexandra Daddario was there, and I didn't know about that until tonight. And if I had known about that, I would have made a point of stopping by our booth to get a picture taken with Alexandra Daddario because, because. Because that's why you're there. Who wouldn't? <laughs> I mean, what red-blooded American male would not take the opportunity <laughs> to stand next to Alexandra Daddario and get a picture taken? Sounds like a pretty good deal. There is something wrong with you if you wouldn't do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a good day. I had a lot of fun. My brother came down from Boise. We haven't gotten to see each other a whole lot. So we spent most of the day together uh, just talking and having fun. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was a good day. Uh, the con committee needs to get its act together for next year as far as local authors go. Um, but it's not like the con was badly run other than that. There were no... It, it is a well-run con. It is a professionally run con. You hear about all these other conventions that are amateurish or have frequent problems. I mean, Utah Comic Con is running... 70,000 plus people through it every day. It, it's massive. Um, and they do such a good job at doing it. They do such a good job at taking care of ADA people. They do such a good job at, at ensuring that good uh, concessions get put there. And yeah, they're expensive, but you actually get good edible food for it. They do a good job of ensuring that stars are um, friendly with guests. People who come that are not friendly with guests don't get invited back. And uh, that's actually a big hit because people make a lot of money at Salt Lake Comic Con because um, there's a lot of fans in Utah of various you know, shows and movies and stuff, and you don't, uh, um, and so getting told, no, you've, you've been rude to our, uh, 
to our guests. You've been rude to regular people. We don't want you back at our show. We don't want you back at our convention. They've done that before. They've kicked out like legitimate big name Hollywood stars for being, you know, rude. They've actually had agents of those Hollywood stars come back and, you know, had to negotiate with the convention for them to come back. Um, so yeah, it was a good day. It was a fun day. Um, well, I'm glad, I'm glad it was a great time and, I, and I'm glad you got, that's really cool to get a picture with the back to the future cast. Minus, uh, minus Leah Thompson, but whatever. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. What a great day. I think uh, I think we're about out of time. We're big. Anything else on your mind? No, I'm I'm good. You're good. I've offended enough people in the OSR today. I, I'm I'm really sorry. I was so harsh. I did not mean to be so harsh. I'm not trying to attack the OSR, and I'm sure it's way too late in the show to say this. No, they. I don't they, have they, the, the only ones left have a thick skin. I don't have a beef with the OSR. I'm not saying the OSR is wrong. In fact, there are a lot of games that have come out uh, of the OSR that are fabulously well done, including Axe, uh, including, and I've been told I own these, but I haven't had a chance to read them as much as I would like, Stars Without Number, Worlds Without Number, and now Cities Without Number. Um, I have heard that um, Avenger Zetanis's setting um that begins oh, with chalt. z say it again is isn't that chalt chalt yeah i've heard that is uh quite amazing there is a lot of great work that was done and and of course my good friend um uh who produced the hobby shop dungeon with ernie gygax is part of the osr and and did just a phenomenal job uh on that so if you want to check out the Hobby Shop Dungeon, it is a an astonishingly well-done mega dungeon. Um, just mind-blowingly incredible. Um, so they have done a lot of quality work. And, you know, with Castle and Crusades, um, all of these other games and gaming companies have done fabulous amounts of work and i'm not trying to put them down as game designers or as players i'm just trying to diagnose why the conflict between the brosr and the osr was so high stakes more than it looked like it needed to be why so many people on the OSR side, we're so bitter about it. Makes sense. Well, they got a good explanation from you tonight. Um, and also, you know, again, it's probably too late, but I'd, I would encourage you to use one-to-one time during downtime and to use these other rules from AD&D that did not make it into basic and expert b slash x or did not make it into the five box sets uh, or the rule cyclopedia that did not exist at the time of you know the original odnd zeroth edition 
because they really do make your games better in ways that you cannot anticipate if you've never tried them. So I'm done. I I wholeheartedly endorse all of that. Um, uh, I had a really great time. Great show. I uh, love talking about this stuff. Love hearing hearing from you. Um, I hope we can do it again soon. Uh, if if not next week, then we'll see you in November. Uh, and I hope everybody hanging out in the chat. We had some we had some good discussion with Simon and Bradford. Um, and El Berzadente. Good to see you guys. Um, I hope everybody listening later uh, really enjoyed the show as much as I enjoyed making it. Uh, but for tonight, Warpig, I'm signing off. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in live. And uh, thanks, everyone, who will tune in later. Um, this has been Geek Gab for Monday, September 25th, 2023. Uh, we are... You can catch us on youtube.com slash geekgab. That's youtube.com slash geekgab. You can also catch us on the Google Play Store, on soundcloud.com, and on the iTunes Store. Just do a search for geekgab, and uh, you can download us to the device of your choice, listen to us on the web or on your computer. We are signing out for today, but don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.